Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the NS9 post-game show on Pittsburgh Baseball Now. I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo. With me, we got Jim Rosati. Jim, we got a Pirates loss. 6-3 to three against the Orioles in Baltimore. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. It was a little bit of a boring game, but it wasn't a blowout. It, was pro- it probably should have been a blowout, but yeah, here we are. Yeah, but the fact that it was that close, honestly, I'm surprised because none of the Pirates pitchers looked sharp at all. Um, no, they did not. So. And really, like this is back-to-back games for Brubaker where he hasn't been sharp. Like The last game was pretty much the same as this one. It was kind of shocking that it wasn't out of reach, you know? But, I mean, he fought through. Like His stuff wasn't there last time. He fought through. Kind of the same thing this time, you feel like. I mean... He was getting hit all over the place, but only three runs given up. Yeah, I mean, he gave him both all three runs up in his first two innings. But he didn't necessarily settle down after that. He just was able to put up a couple more zeros. Um, Yeah. But even those zeros, were they were hard-earned. I think there were – I mean – this game could have been way worse. And when I say that, like Cedric Mullins, for example, that just sticks out in my mind, his first two at-bats, he struck out both times. But it was right after he pulled a ball, like 400 feet, that was, you know, barely foul on right. each occasion. So, um, yeah, not a sharp performance from Brubaker. Really not a sharp performance from any of the pitchers. Um, but... Somehow they only gave up six runs. I mean, six runs and in eight innings pitched isn't good by any means. But <laughs> it, it could have been way worse. Yeah. Put things in perspective. It was pretty good this this uh today in this outing. But you're right. And JT Brubaker again giving up a lot of hits. He had eight hits. What was it? Four over hundred miles an hour. Seven over 95 miles an hour. You know, like I said, he was getting hit. He was getting hit pretty hard. COVID can't keep Northside notch down. Yes, it can. <laughs> it did. It did in the middle of the week. But uh, but yeah, JT was getting hit pretty hard. You talked about the pitching as well. Uh, I mean, Chase Dion, just to bring him up, that wasn't pretty for him either. He was not finding the strike zone. Albeit. I'll be it. I mean, we, we've talked about the catching situation and how it's been very good, Pirates, relatively speaking, right? With DeLay and Heineman back there. Defensively, it's definitely been good. Um, we know Heineman won the IL. They called up Taylor Davis. Then Taylor Davis goes, gets DFA'd, and they bring up this good day. Good day? I don't know. It was a good bad day. I'll good say door. that. Jose. Good boy. Yeah. Um, he can't catch the ball. That seems to be like the catcher's first rule of thumb of, of playing the, the position. So 
Yeah, that was weird. He came in there and it, it just him and him and DeYoung weren't in sync in any way at all. Um, yeah, I mean, at one point I was just like, is this dude even a catcher? But I'll just chalk it up to it being his first game with the team. First time catching Chase DeYoung. Yeah, because it was – he didn't look great. That was not pleasant baseball to watch. Uh, again, Chase DeYoung was off. He was way off today. Just not find a strike zone. But again, he wasn't getting much help on the other end. Like when he finally did, right? Pass ball, scores a run. There you go. But yeah, the pitching was pretty pretty bad today. And the offense seemed to be about on pars with the Pirates offense typically is. I mean, they scored, th- they scored three runs though, but... It wasn't pretty either. Well, like last night I brought up with this offense, if Brian Reynolds and O'Neill Cruz aren't producing runs, the offense isn't doing anything. And so like today, O'Neill Cruz hit a home run. So, but like other than that, that was really the only thing this offense did. They did get one more run, you know, to squeak across. But I mean, that's it. Like, this offense is Cruz and, and Reynolds at this point. Um, you know, with some with some Gamble, Newman, Hayes, Marcano sprinkled in there from time to time. But when it comes yeah. to like producing offense and producing runs, it's those two. And if, if they're not right. doing it, no one else is. And let's be honest, too. They're spaced so far apart half the time. It's like Reynolds is like two or three, right? Hayes or not? Hey, I keep saying Hayes. Cruz is like batting seventh, you know. So they're doing it on limited damage themselves as well. Now, Cruz did bat fifth today. He's creeped up a little bit now. Uh, I mean, they're facing a righty, of course. So for a while now, yeah, I feel like. Well, not. I mean, has he been doing that consistently with a lefty up? Maybe not with a lefty, but against righties, I, I feel like he's been in that fifth spot for at least four games now, five games now. Right, and that sounds about right. Again, he's he's been up there, but not consistently. Again, I feel like, especially with lefties, when he is playing against lefties. Um, but yeah, he's been creeping up the lineup some. Um, today, again, like he said he batted fifth. He hit the home run today. Another monster shot. <laughs> it's just like O'Neill Cruz, man. I'll tell you, he is fun, fun, fun to watch. I do want to talk a little bit about him as well. Uh, we can save that maybe for a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know, man. Like, like you're saying, without Reynolds, who was batting leadoff today, I'm sorry, second, uh, Hayes fifth, Cruz fifth, Hayes in the cleanup spot, by the way. What's your take on Hayes um, batting fourth recently? Um, so I think part of the Cruz discussion almost has to be part of the lineup discussion going forward. What we've seen now, and Milwaukee did it, we're now seeing Baltimore do it. O'Neill Cruz isn't facing right-handed relief pitchers. <laughs> like, so when Cruz comes up, whether it's the 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th inning, managers are immediately going to that lefty in the bullpen. And this isn't a new occurrence. Like, this has been happening a while now. Um, and there's just – it's tough. It's tough for him to face left-handed relief pitchers right now. Like, these guys – like these aren't bums. Like Keegan Aiken has more relief pitched innings than any reliever in baseball this year. 
He's got a 2.43 earned run average. So the Orioles are bringing him in. Best left lefty reliever on the team um, to, to face Cruz. And he just hasn't – he just doesn't have enough experience against major league left-handed sliders to really put together competitive at-bats consistently against those types right. of guys, right? For sure. We saw him take Sutter, uh, Suter deep against Milwaukee, um, you know, hung a slider to him there. But, like, when these lefty releasers are coming in with these devastating sliders, these at-bats that Cruz are putting up aren't competitive at-bats. So something has to happen there. And and a lot of it has to do with the lineup, I think. Like, at some point, this team needs to find a competent to not, – not even competent. Like, they need to find a dangerous right-handed hitter and plop him behind O'Neill Cruz. Yeah. Because until they do – Teams are going to continue to do this without any second thought, right? They're not they're not worried about putting a lefty in to face Cruz when Tucapita Marcano's batting behind him because he's another lefty. They're not thinking about putting a lefty in behind Cruz when Lyman is batting behind him, right? Um, even Michael Chavis, like so Anthony brings up Chavis. Chavis, Chavis isn't going to start, right, against right-handed starting pitchers, but we we have seen Chavis pinch hit after Cruz in these situations. But, like, even Chavis, like, Chavis isn't enough for a team to for, – for this strategy to backfire. Like, the Pirates need to figure out a way for that strategy to backfire. Because until they do, they're just going to keep doing it. And this is something that can't really be addressed right now. <laughs> like, the Pirates don't have a right-handed bat option. That is dangerous right now. Um, it's something they need to address during the offseason. Like, they need to pick up a dangerous right-handed hitter and plop him behind Cruz in the lineup. Right. Has to happen. That would <clears> – <throat> right. That would help. That would certainly help. And like you said, that's that's part of the issue right now. He's going to face it now. For Cruz's aspect of this, this is his weakness. And this is why – we all tout too. Like he needs to stay here. He needs to stay in the majors. There's no him going to the minors to work on things. Cause what he needs to work on is literally that at bat, like that last at bat tonight where he looked awful, just completely awful down three straight strikes, right? Two terrible sliders that are way off the plate as well. He swung up both of them, you know, like that's what he needs to see. That's what he needs to work on. He's not going to get that in the minors. Yeah, much to Ronzi Contreras isn't going to get what he needs to see in the minors either. <laughs> right. But that's different. Um, I'm told. But anyways, yeah, like that's no that's not the reason why O'Neill Cruz needs to go down. He needs to stay up here. So he needs to see that. So like I guess that's maybe a good thing. Like this is a wasted season. That is what the Pirates need to go forward, right? But he's gonna see his share of left-handed pitching like the rest of the year. So yeah. he's gonna get all the development that uh that he needs. Um so I guess if you want to spin it positively, there's your positive moment of the night. But let's move on the other side of Ono Cruz. He blasted a home run today again. He's, you know, with all the woes that comes, right? Um, he's looked better. We've been talking. He's been getting a little bit more aggressive, um, but he has been doing a lot better. Um, as a matter of fact, so... I just want to bring this up too because we've we've made a lot of comparisons and we keep using like Julio Rodriguez for the comparison more or less because Julio Rodriguez is the 
MVP of the AL. Oh, I'm sorry, the rookie of the year for the AL, clearly. But he struggled mightily at first, you know. And so, like, when at the all-star break, that gave Cruz 104 plate appearances. And Cruz at that time had a 74 weighted run and created plus. He was batting 204, 240 on base through 98 slugging. When you look at Julio Rodriguez at 104 plate appearances, he had a 77 weighted runs created plus, batting 232, 298, 305, right? They're very similar. We've seen how Julio Rodriguez has taken off, and he's been a stud. Again, I'm not here saying like that is what's going to happen to O'Neill Cruz, but O'Neill Cruz has played a lot better. Yeah. So heading into today, he had, I think, a one a 115 weighted runs created plus since the All-Star break. He had a home run today. I mean, clearly he performed today as well with that. Like, I want to guess he's probably at like a 120 weighted runs created plus, 119. Um since the all-star break per se. So like he has been performing better. Yeah. I mean, going into today, it was 114 way runs created plus since the break. So he's been a good hitter since the all-star break. Um, and, and I think what we're seeing now too, like the, the power is really starting to come around where like, yeah, we saw the power at the beginning, but, I mean, he has what four home runs in the last week. Like he's yeah, he's found his power groove. Like when he's making contact with the ball, the ball's going a long way. Yeah, no, my bad. This is uh three just in the last week, three since the second. Okay, but he has now six. I'm sorry, five since the All Star break. But and here's the other thing too. So. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. My bad. And nine on the year now in 30, 39 uh, games. There you go. What I was going to say is, so as far as like you're talking the power and the home runs, which we all have known, like that's O'Neill Cruz's calling card. He's got power. That's legit. But he also has uh, hits in nine of the last 12 starts. You know, so like he hasn't been a completely out of touch hitter like he, you know he showed for a little bit there where he was going hitless and whatever like really really struggling like he has been stringing some hits along um so again he has been producing better there's been some positives uh i will say like as anthony said and the last at bat was a perfect example of this right like the strikeouts lately look worse i, I mean they, they were bad but I, I don't know the the thing we talked about was we felt like he wasn't aggressive enough now he's just kind of swinging <laughs> It's helped, but it makes like that last at bat look silly. Yeah, and, and I think a part of maybe why they look worse is that teams are teams are treating him like a dangerous hitter, and they're being extremely careful with him, especially late in games. Um, I mean, we like I said we've seen it. They're they're throwing out their best relief options against O'Neill Cruz. Like they're making. Mm-hmm. They're, they're planning games around him. They are making moves based upon him. Um, the, like I said, and, and he has been able to capitalize sometimes like he did against Milwaukee, um, but he's also not been able to capitalize like we've seen against Baltimore here. Uh, so it's, it's just a matter of, like you said, like he just needs to see this more. Like the more and more he sees left-handed relief pitching – the better he's going to get. And, and he's not going to see that in the minors. You know, he's not going to see that 
he didn't see that in the minors before. So like part of this whole learning curve is figuring out how are these relievers with these sweeping, devastating sliders, how are they going to pitch them? Because he didn't have to face these guys in AAA. Those relief pitchers don't exist in AAA. If you are a good left-handed reliever, you're not in AAA. You're in the majors. So he's now seeing this for the first time. Uh, so it's just it's just going to take some time. Like you mentioned, it's all part of the learning process. He's got two months left in the year where he's going to be treated this way. And, I mean, from everything that we've seen so far, he makes in-game adjustments. We saw it against Cor- Corbin Burns, right? Like, I have all yeah. the faith in the world that he's going to be able to make the adjustment. He's just going to have to learn how to do it. And you're not going to learn how to do it until he just – sees it over and over again right yeah you're, you're right and again we can i think we've hammered that hard enough um but it's the facts and uh, with cruz i wanted to say um i forget what i wanted to say what you were getting at i don't remember anyways <laughs> great show guys we'll see you tomorrow <laughs> Um, I don't know. I guess maybe we'll just move on. If, if I remember, I'll bring it up. <laughs> but again, I think like the ultimate thing that needs to happen here is, yeah, Cruz needs to be better in these situations, but the Pirates need to be able to make teams pay when they do That's something like that. Right. And the way right. that they do that is they put, they put a righty masher behind Cruz. Like that's the next step in this whole roster construction that needs mm-hmm. to happen. And those guys are, those guys are, there's plenty of them available, right? Like go find a right-handed power bat that you can stick in right field or first base. They're there. There you go. There you go. Preferably first base. Cause they clearly need one and, and get a first baseman, not like three DHs. Yeah. No, that's what I was going to say. Um, getting to that. I, I mean, O'Neill Cruz hasn't earned really the right to like be, viewed upon as that guy that oh my god it's in late in the innings and like Aaron Judge is on the bat right but the thing is like in relative with the Pirates lineup in this lineup you're not, that- like you're only going to if you're going to lose it's going to be against Cruz that's the only mm-hmm. guy you fear especially after the second the second guy in the lineup you know what I mean which is Brian Reynolds like after that you, there's nobody that you're worried about so you're going to make sure Cruz doesn't hurt you even though he isn't that guy yet he's the only guy capable of changing a game in one swing and so, right. So you're, that's, that is why you're saying this. And that's why there's legitimate to it. That it's not going to be Marcano. It's not going to be Greg Allen. It's not going to be Josh Van Meter. It's not going to be Jason delay. You know, like those guys aren't going to beat you. So just make sure Cruz doesn't, you throw the best out there, you get them out and then you're, you're safe. You're, you're good. Yeah. That's all you guys do. You, like he's the only guy you need to worry about right now. Um, right. And what they're doing, they're only worrying about him. And like I said, the, even that's, even that's like kind of, when you get to the leadoff guy, it's like Kevin Newman. You like you're not really worried about Kevin Newman until you get to Brian Reynolds once again, right? I mean, even Kevin Newman, like yeah, you're not worried about it. He might hit, he might hit, what he's going to do get a single off of you. Who cares? Right. Let him get a single. So, anyways, yeah. So there's the cruise talk for today. <laughs> um, I don't but know. I like think, I said, but that's got to be like right-handed hitter. That's got to be priority one this offseason. Like they, they got to get, they got to get somebody. Yeah. I, I can't add to it. Like, yes, 
but the team I mean, has to team, improve. Like it has like, to improve next year. Like so Jesus, like there's your yeah, like Jesus Aguilar is a free agent. Like I sign Jesus Aguilar for like a one. We're talking year. about Jesus Aguilar for like the past five years now. Like he's just like the epitome of the perfect example of a first baseman yeah. who's cheap with power that you just go get. Right. And the Marlins did it for so cheap. I mean, I know they're not winning, they're not that good, but like he's the epitome of what the Pirates need. Yeah, like he's not good. Not bad. I mean, Daniel Volkabach was never good. Now the Mets need him, and the Mets are going to go to playoffs. Like he's hitting grand slams, and he's by like three hundred now. You know, like he's not—he wasn't good either, but he was so cheap. And Aguilar, like for his career, is an improvement on Vogelbach. Yeah, so I mean, like that's just something they need to do this off season. They need to get a right-handed hitter. You know what? Just go, go sign Aaron Judge. Go sign Aaron Judge. Just go cruise Judge back to back. Could you imagine? Imagine all the low strike calls at like the shins. <laughs> well, the 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 the, uh, the umpires have a lot of practice though with the pirates. Then, right? Cruz will warm them up so that way Judge is ready to go. Trey Mancini's a free agent next year. Get, get, get Trey Mancini. Mm, no, he's got that mutual option. But remember we talked about that. I don't know if that happens with a trade. I think that got waived. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think Trey Mancini has anything anymore. Oh, well, if that's the case, then there you go. I'm I'm absolutely down with that. We'll talk about that later, but sure. But anyways, yes, I mean that's certainly something that they should be looking into for next year. Makes a lot of sense. Upgrade the offense, please, please, please. Um, but yeah. Outside of that, like you said, with this lineup, I mean in reality though like after Cruz it was a complete nightmare Marcano 0 for 4 Allen did go 1 for 3 with a walk Van Meter 0 for 2 Chavis comes in 0 for 2 Delay 0 for 2 Bly pinch hits 0 for 1 I mean it was just again that was it no offense we're done yeah I mean that, that was it offense has been pretty pathetic and again, like if if it's not Cruz, if it's not Reynolds, it just doesn't it just doesn't happen. Yeah, Gamble has been pretty solid lately, but Gamble he's been Gamble. I mean, it's not signing special, right? But today was a good game for him. He did <clears throat> he did go two for three of the walk. Um, Hayes, let's just Hayes again, like in the cleanup, just limited time. He's performed decently. He did go one for four today, but he did have that hard hit, which, by the way, Mateo, like, great play. Great play. I'll say, too, I don't know if it was just me, but watching it live, I thought, how did Hayes not beat that out? And, again, I don't know what it was, but, like, it looked like it, 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 looked like it slowed down live to me. Again, like, it looked like he bobbled it in his glove to me, and then he, like, got to throw off from his stomach to second. And then we watched the replay. I was like, oh, damn, that was quick. Never mind. But that's yeah. how I took it. I mean, Hayes hit a screamer, though. So, But, of course, into the ground, up the middle. Yeah. I mean, he hit it hard. Really good play made by uh, – that was Mateo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that kind of ended the Pirates' chances there, too. I mean, even if – I mean, Cruz comes up there, but even if Cruz is a home run, Pirates are still losing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that was a pretty big momentum shift. Yep. 
Because amazingly, the Pirates were in this game. They I really think. were. I don't know how, because like I said, the pitching was bad. But it was good enough to keep them in it. Um, and that that play was pretty big. And again, you're talking – so the Orioles had 11 hits and six walks. Pirates had six hits, two walks. And, you're, and like you're saying, like they're, you're right. They, they were in this game. Yeah. <laughs> they were really one swing away from an Nuno Cruz potential, you know, being mm-hmm. in Mateo ended that, and that was it. But I don't know. Okay. Um, the game was boring. Game sucked. <laughs> Pitching was bad. I, again, back-to-back starts for JT Brubaker where he's looked like this. Definitely hasn't been on top of his stuff, but he's escaped minimally as far as damage goes. Um, does this change your mindset at all? Is this – you starting to worry maybe a little about JT Brubaker? Where are you at with him? Um, I mean, it's just two starts. I'm not in, like, worry territory yet. I mean, if you look over the course of the season, like his entire body of work, <clears throat> we're looking at what, 4.40 earned run average. What did we say 4. before? 4.49. 4.49. Mm-hmm. Before he's likely, a, you know, a solid, like a fifth starter. That's, I'll take that out of my fifth starter. Like your fifth starter is not going to give you a great game every time. Um, but yeah, I would like to see him kind of shift back into who he was. <laughs> that would be nice um but uh no not i'm not i'm not too concerned there um the only concern i would have is we did see last year right around this time he started breaking down yep right and we could attribute that to last year he threw more innings than he ever has in his career this year Hopefully, this isn't the start of him breaking down, right? Right. Um, so, so it'll be interesting just to kind of watch him going forward uh, these next few starts because he is in that territory now where you know he's over 108 innings for the season through 124 last year, and you know those, those last 30 or so innings last year were not good. Um, so, hopefully, he's not repeating that. Um, but if he does, then you're kind of like, all right, this guy probably isn't a full season starter, right? So, so that that's going to be the answer that we have is, I mean, if he continues this for the rest of the year, the the guy can't start thirty games a year if if he rebounds, pitches well, <laughs> he, you know. he needs to go down to AAA in in, in the uh, All Star break. <laughs> regulate his innings and watch him and then come back yeah. up. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, no, I'm still, I'm still slotting him in as like a number five. Yeah. Until, until he proves me wrong, which he definitely could, but he hasn't yet. That's where I'm like kind of at with him. You know, this doesn't really change too much for me. It's back to back starts. I know it stinks, but like Quintana had back to back starts that were pretty bad as well. And then he finished very strong and got traded. Like, like it, it's just going to happen. Um, this isn't ideal. This is what you want to see. Right. But this doesn't change too much for me. It's how you know he keeps going, but that's the one thing that's in the back of my mind too, is like you said, he did break down last year. Now it is back to back. So it's like, so what's the third one? What's the fourth one? Now do we start worrying? Like you said, that, that aspect. So something to keep an eye on, but this, it's not like Zach Thompson. I think Zach Thompson, once he started to, we were like, okay, this is kind of who we thought he is. He's kind of proving it. 
with JT Brubaker and these two starts, I'm not really looking at it as, okay, yeah, this is JT Brubaker. I'm kind of saying, well, it's just back-to-back starts. That's what I kind of want to point out here. Thompson and Brubaker, to me, are still quite different in that regard. That's, that's where I'm at right now, too. Yep. Cool. All right. Um, anything else you want to talk about here before we wrap this up? Um, no. That was about it. Okay. Sounds good to me. Hopefully tomorrow's a much better game. Yeah, hopefully tomorrow's better. They need a win. Um, the I will say this. The Orioles have been impressed with them the last couple of days. Yep. It sucks that uh, I feel bad for Orioles fans because I think this team has some potential in the next few years to be pretty fun. But, like, you still have to deal with the Yankees. Still got to deal with the Blue Jays. Well, they aren't judgeless Yankees. Yeah, like it's it's really tough for them, but they should have a fun. They should have a fun team. You're finally now seeing like the rebuild for Baltimore is towards its end. They should they should be a fun team to watch these next couple years. I'm with that. Um, also, I just want to point out to something, just observations as you're talking about that, right? I didn't do the post game last night with you, but there's all the talks, of course, like Baltimore's just a few games out of the wild card and they're out there, clo- you know, trading players, trading their closer and such. Man, Batista looked so good last night. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Maybe they're okay. No, that, as far as like what I'm most impressed so far is like this team, the bullpen, like the yeah. Warriors bullpen is lights out. And they're starting like I mean Dean Kramer yesterday. I um the 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 extent of my Dean Kramer knowledge was he was the guy who I would face in MLB the show if I'm playing against the computer. I always play against Baltimore just because they're the first team I don't have to scroll through. So okay. I play Baltimore and they throw Dean Kramer. That was my that was my Dean Kramer knowledge, you know, it might be the extent. But yeah, he, he put put together a good game, but could have just been that it was against the Pirates, but you know, his season numbers are pretty nice too. Yeah. Well, there's your Baltimore Orioles talk. Yeah, there we go. Uh, we'll tell you, we'll answer this real quick from Anthony. He says, Does this team feel different than this time last year? And then what does the team look like this time next year? You know, it's weird. I was actually talking to someone about this yesterday. Geddes, not that it matters. Anyone knows what I'm talking about. I felt more optimistic last year, if that makes sense. Like after last season, I was kind of feeling like, you know what? 2023 kind of has the vibe of that's going to be like that transition. You're like, this team's going to get better sooner than maybe we're thinking until this offseason came. And now, like right now today, I'm, I don't feel that. I'm hopeful maybe 2023 will, but I don't know. I'm sorry, I said 23 before. I thought 2022 was going to be more entertaining, more energetic. You know, like we're not going to be good, but we're seeing, we're seeing the light. And yeah. I, I don't feel that about 2023. I'm not at that point. So to me, I felt a lot more hopeful last year than I do this year. I think we felt hopeful because we thought they were going to do something this offseason to try to get better this year. And they didn't, right? Right. That's, that's, yeah, that's it. But even like with uh, some moves they made. And maybe too, like maybe it's because they had so many 40 men, like you just knew they had to make trades, but then they didn't need to make trades. So then 
So, so just for, for fun, right? I pulled up the Pirates August 6, 2021 box score. Right? Okay. So 10 nothing loss to the Reds. Well, that wasn't they went to, uh <laughs> They moved to 41 and 69 on the year. So two less wins than where they're at right now. Right. JT Brubaker was a starting pitcher. He gave up yeah. nine runs. <laughs> um, the lineup was Kevin Newman, Key Brian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, top three. Cleanup was John Nagowski. Oh boy. Then Jacob yeah, Stallman. And this was at this was still past the time where he was done. Right. Like we knew at this point, like it wasn't it was no longer the fun Nagowski, right? He was done at this point. Nagowski, yeah. Stalin, Polanco, Castro, Philip Evans, and then at this point, pitcher still hit, so pitcher. Um, so if you're like looking at it from a standpoint of like that lineup right there, probably doesn't offer you a whole lot of hope because there's not really too many pieces there that you could say, yeah, they could be a part of our future. You know, at that point, you know Kevin Newman is written off already at that point. Hayes Reynolds, that's really it. And maybe Rodolfo Castro. Mm-hmm. The rest of the lineup, no. This year's lineup, you look at it and you can see, okay, Cruz is up now. You still got Hayes and Reynolds. And then you can think, like, all right, there's a couple guys here who might be able to be a part of this team in the future, like Marcano and Mitchell and... um Marcano and Mitchell. <laughs> Theoretically, um, Bly's there, but I'm with you on that. It's but um, yeah, Mitchell I don't know how to answer that question. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm probably not as optimistic right now as I was last year. And the reason is just because I thought this team was going to try to win this year. And they didn't. And so by them not trying to win this year, I don't know if they're going to try to win next year. You know, like I don't think 2023 is a year they really care much about right now. Um, They can prove me wrong, but the way this, the core is on this team and the way it it looks, there are a lot of things that need to be addressed for this team to be competitive. And I don't know if they can do it all this off season. Hold on. I know they can do it all this off season. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're going to because of how they approached last offseason. Yeah. So I guess that's where I'm at right now. So I'll tell you what. And actually, maybe to answer his question maybe more truthfully, because now I'm thinking about some things, I think really where my optimism came in, because he said last year this time, and this time would be beforehand. I think actually I got more optimistic when the Cruz and Ronzi call-up happened. That, to me, was like signifying, hey, you know, this front office is different. Like, look what they just did. They're doing this now today. There's a good chance that both those guys are on the opening day roster next year. You know, and if that's the case, this, this, you know, division's already weak. We're seeing the Cubs do a rebuild, right? They're, like, they're trading their, their pieces off. Like, I think that's what gave the optimism. So maybe it was more of October is when I felt that. Not so much today in, in August, uh, for being fair. But, but you're right. That was a lot of it too. Like I was hopeful things were going to happen because of things that transpired since the deadline and such. Um, whereas of now we saw what the offseason happened. 
and the thing is too, like it's how they how they approach this year and what they did throughout this year. If they let the kids play, as we all said, then you would have saw the development. You would have saw what they can do. And then you could start making decisions based on that, but you still don't have answers for a lot of these people. So it's like, so 2023 is going to be the year where you're getting answers. So it's like, that's what I'm with you. Like you're not going to probably see a whole lot of moves because you want to see what your in-house options can or can't do. And then going into 2024 is when you might start purging those options to go improve in free agency. So that's why I'm with you too. Like I feel like next year is going to be much the same. It's going to be improvement, but it's going to be all in-house improvement. Hopefully, <laughs> like hopefully if there's improvement, it's that's why. And we hope that this team gets better because their pieces are actually getting better. That's a problem if they don't next year. That right. probably means Cruz isn't developing. Hayes is still. Hayes needs to get, better. you know, in that territory. Right. So I, I, I guess that's where I'm at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's get out of here then. we'll see it tomorrow baltimore pittsburgh it's gonna be bryce wilson day so who has actually looked a lot better lately give him that i mean outside the last game (laughs) with three straight home runs he gave up (laughs) but he looked good before those three home runs (laughs) okay okay jim (laughs) just saying (laughs) fine whatever so if he pitches just two innings, he'll be all right. All right, we're out. Yeah. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. See you guys.